All right, so I guess we're going. All right, this is the Coach Haas podcast sponsored by Sports Rehab PA. I got Dr. Mike St. George back on again, and we're doing it Zoom and podcasting here. So we're going to see a little bit more visual stuff. But, um, you know, how was your day today, Mike? Uh, It was all right. We're kind of steady. Um, Got some more people trying to come into the clinic. I think people are getting a little bit over the fear of uh, coming out of the house. Um, I think people are also realizing that, you know, some of these conditions that they have going on can't be fixed through the telehealth, you know, which is a a good point because I was even talking to, uh, you know, even Meredith and Dan at the clinic about the telehealth because I think a lot of PTs kept saying, well, this is the future, this is the future, even going past this whole COVID thing. And I said, pump the brakes on that a little bit. You know, if, right. if telehealth is that, then that means almost anybody could kind of do what we're doing. And our skill is really hands-on and doing some of these techniques that just can't be done through the computer. You know, uh, and telehealth probably could be used as a good tool to maybe someone doesn't know anything about PT. Their doctor tells them to go to PT. They're nervous. Or maybe they're just lazy about coming into the clinic. Yep. Yep. Because they was do a telehealth or in the comfort of their home. Sure. You can do a little bit of a triaging right there and go, okay, yeah, yeah you do need to come in. You do need to see, yeah. you know, a doctor, blah, blah, blah. Yep. Almost like a screening or just an introduction just to get to know them, establish rapport, and then right. see them to the clinic. Right. I noticed in the last podcast we did, I said blah, blah, blah a lot. So that's the second time I said it, but I'm going to try not to do that anymore. <laughs> Good thing. <laughs> yeah. I was like listening and I'm like, I said that blah, blah, blah. I'm like, why am I saying that? But anyway, um, I did just send a friend of mine over there too. So like, that's a perfect example. He called me and he was worried about calling his doctor right away. Um, you know, and I just told him to call over to the clinic, see if he can get in, you know, do a screening. And then if he needs PT, then he can then go get the script and do whatever, you know, mm-hmm. from there. Um, so I think, you know, that's a, that's a great example there. Like he could just hop on a, you know, and you could go, Hey, listen, yeah, this is, can you do this? Can you do that? You know, take them through however you would take him through that exam, you know, through the telehealth and then triage it from there. Yeah. You know, let's set up an appointment and so on. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, well, I wanted to talk about two different things tonight. One uh, in particular was a interesting post that I made yesterday on Facebook and um, I'm going to pull it up on my phone real quick. So what I did was I had put a post up saying all my soccer coaches out there, you know, club, high school coaches in the area, just out of curiosity because it had spiked the conversation from a couple of days before I was talking with a few other guys and, you know, we're getting to that time of the year. It's May uh, your kids are going to start getting their packets for the summer, you know, and then the dreaded 1.5 or two mile, you know, test is on there. And so we started talking about that and brought up a couple interesting points. But anyway, I, I had asked the community, you know, um, name three of your, or your, your top three baseline tests to see if your team is fit. Yeah. Uh, and then why you use those tests. Um, and then I did add at the end, I'm still blown away by the two mile test. Yeah. I got a really 
interesting amount of responses. We kind of talked about this a little bit, not too much at length yesterday, um, but some of them I was kind of blown away by. I'm not going to get really too much. I don't, you know, I'm not going to try to throw anybody's name out there and on the bus. And certainly at the end of the day, I don't think there is a absolute answer, right? I think that there's a, a multiple a multitude of ways to, to go about it, right, uh, to see if your team is fit. I was just curious to see what they were. And, I mean, I had the, the gamut from some really interesting ones to some coaches that don't even test their teams. You know, there's no baseline. There's, there's nothing. But there are packets that are given for the summer. But – are those packets saying, hey, run two miles, right? So, I mean, it, it doesn't matter. If you're, if you're doing that, then you're doing that. And then, you know, my point being, and we can kind of get a, more, a little bit more into the, into the discussion about it, but we talked about the muscle fibers and um, then being that there's three different types of muscle fibers. You have your slow twitch, which are more for your, you know, cardio endurance. You have your anaerobic which are your fast, or I'm sorry, you have your fast switch fibers and then you have your intermediate fibers, right? So between the ages of 13 and 17, and again, these are things based off what I'm reading, so I'm going to run it by you. Um, there, then intermediate fibers want to jump to one way or the other, right? So if I'm training for the sport and I'm doing two miles, and again, I'm doing this, and because I'm a high school kid, and I know this only because I've had for the last 20 years these kids coming in, you know, freaking out about how they're going to make the time for the two-mile test. So they practice this test all summer, and they're actually changing the muscle fibers that they're using and making it more into a slow twitch compared to what they really need for the game of soccer being fast twitch. Your opinion there. Yeah, I mean, not even knowing the muscle fibers, but the uh, the energy system, um, and I guess you know, training uh, the cardio respiratory adaptations to that type of training, um, and then other factors, just the mental mindset uh, and the central nervous system stimulus. I mean, there's all these other factors that come in. Now we understand more about human performance. So we have a kid who's uh, any of these kids who are focused on running consistently doing the two miles. So you're in the zone, you get used to pacing that, you get used to that. Now you're adding another stimulus of the soccer game, of the stop and go, moving fast. They're just not used to that stimulus. So there's no specificity. There's nothing to prepare them for that type of challenge. So then when their body goes to do that, they're in shock because, like, I haven't done this before. Uh, you know, it's just like any type of training. You start training things that are going to kind of simulate that type of uh, – you know, stimulus that you're going to be put through, you know, for the sport. Uh, right. just that the two-mile test is something that's just become complacent. It's something that all these coaches have accepted because everybody else is doing it. But, uh, you know, it's like when I was in high school, you know, we kind of just did what the coach said. We didn't really think outside the box. And the kids that had a personal trainer or had somebody outside uh, of their, you know, school network, and doing training on the side, we're doing these extra things and playing around with these type of other training things. And they were the ones that were really kind of just above, you know, and everyone talked about the kid who was like, you know, really running top at the state level. 
you know, you say, what does he do? Or someone's, oh, I heard he goes to the beach and runs with ankle weights. Or I heard he does this. Or I heard he does that. Like, just examples of things. They were starting to think outside the box of, of you know, unconventional training. So, um, kind of starting to tap into that. And now it's like the stuff isn't so much of a secret anymore because of social media. You could share these ideas and share all these things more right. often. So, it's out there. And now it's just a matter of trying to pick and choose what's appropriate. You know, so uh, I think it's time we kind of break out of that old mold and start training these kids appropriately, you know? Yeah, and, you know, again, there were, there were so many different answers, you know. Um, the other one that blew my mind was, like, no testing, you know. So, you know, or it's it, it doesn't really mean anything or, you know, that doesn't determine whether uh, the, the player is um, – able to have the skills to play. Now, that wasn't the question I, you know, laid out there. The question was, what are your top three things and why? You know, I wasn't trying to, you know, say this is right or wrong. I'm just curious to see what they're doing. And then if any of them had the, you know, one and a half or two mile test in there, my question would be, again, why that number? Is it an arbitrary number that you're using? Right. Or, or I mean, what does it have behind it? Because clearly these kids are running more than a mile and a half or two miles in a game. So what, what are you using the test for? Is it just because it's been passed down or yeah. is, is there validity behind it? And that's, you know, so that was really what I was trying to get at, yeah. but I was blown away with, you know, not having testing or not finding it valuable. You know? Yeah. So. I mean, you could, you could say that we don't need to do testing, you know, if these kids were, uh, I don't know, playing multiple sports and different variables. You say, well, what's the point of testing? You know, they're generally fit. But, you know, these parents now want to specialize these kids. And, you know, some of them are kind of being pressured into just doing all year round. So that's like their thing, soccer. So if you're going to put them at that dynamic of playing all year round, you have to respect what comes into that. If that means you're completely dedicated to a sport and you're totally focused on that, then you have to curtail your lifestyle to that. And that requires doing the proper maintenance. And that's the hard thing that we're trying to almost kind of get into the heads of not only the parents, but even the athletes too, um, in terms of, okay, well, you're going to specialize in this. So you have to do the right things in terms of strengthening, you know, the nutrition portion, you know, um, and just the maintenance, you know, it's just like, it's like, it's like NASCAR is a great example. You think those cars, you know, they go around at such a high end speed. They have to be maintenance. They're not going to make it. They keep going around. You got to do it. So these kids have to have right. maintenance. They have to, you know, they have to take that. You can't just go, 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 go. And I don't think the parents understand that. And it's not really to their fault. It's just a lot of parents want the kids to be involved and be doing something. But right. I don't understand what comes with that. You know, this is athletic performance we're talking about. And if you're trying to push them to that level, there's things that come with athletic performance. If you want them to just go do it for fun, then, yeah, they can just go do it and whatever. And, hey, you're having fun, you know, whatever. But these parents right. want these kids to, to be awesome at it. And maybe some of the kids want to be there or not. But it's like they're obviously breaking down and they're not making it and they're just getting frustrated. And they're spending time getting surgeries, going into rehab, or sitting on the bench because they're hurt and you know it's like yep. we could prevent that or we could start you know maybe improving this competitive edge 
by implementing the right tools so these kids can be competitive and then they're not getting burnt out and demoralized because they're saying, wow, if I do X, Y, and Z, I can play and be successful at this level and it'll be fun again. So right now it just seems like there's just a lot where it's just all these extraneous factors and it's not fun. It's like who could just keep their head above water, you know? Right, right. Yeah, I mean, again, we just the, um, the, the so many different answers – you know, on there, but I, I was, I was impressed to see that, you know, there were some interval type based, you know, trainings on there. One of them was like, you know, that obviously they come with, you know, 1.5 miles at 11.15. Again, like, what is, if they don't get there, okay, like, say it's, Say it's not, you know, um, one of your – it's one of your players right off the bench, you know, one of your 12th players coming off, you know, um, and they didn't do well on the test. Then there's, I, I don't want to say repercussions, but, like, what is the, what is the next step? Are we going to now take this individual and give them more conditioning on top of things? Like – and I know it's tough at the high school level, you know, we're not, they're, they're not professionals, but at the same time, if you're setting these numbers and then kids don't get to that number, then, you know, what, what are you using it for? I mean, yeah, I've had that conversation with some of the kids too. Like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, like this is the time that we have to get to, but if, if the, you know, the boy or girl doesn't get there, then, you know, nothing really happens. It just, I mean, the thing is, is they're being treated like professionals. I mean, some of these kids don't have a life besides soccer. I mean, when I kind of talk to them, they say everything is soccer. I come home, I do homework, it's soccer. Then weekends, it's soccer, it's soccer, it's soccer. It's like a pro sport. Yeah. So, you know, again, with the parents, have to listen to that and hear that and say, this is what my kid is doing. And you want them to almost act like a professional where there's things that go into being professional. And if they don't really want to take our word for it, you can listen to individuals that work with the professionals. They're going to say the same thing to them, the NFL level basketball level, tennis. I mean, it's a little bit different sometimes, too, for a team sport because some players could get a little bit uh, under the radar because you have the team to take up slack. But if it's like an individual sport, like if you're like an MMA fighter, a boxer, a tennis player, a golfer, it's you and you have your team of people that take care of you. And if you don't perform, it's not on anybody else. It's on you. So if you want to make a living, you have to do what it takes. So, you know, I mean – like I said, it's like they're being treated on a professional schedule with the way they have them playing and doing all this all the time. So, well, then, yeah, then we have to start having that discussion about going to the next level of doing stuff, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, it was, it was out of the, you know, like I said, it was a conversation that happened a couple of days ago. We started talking about it. Um, and I just thought, you know, let me just throw a post up about it. And then it just kind of caught fire and there ended up, you know, being tons of comments about it. Um, and then I just thought, well, if we're going to be on tonight, let me just kind of run this by you again. And like, let's hear, you know, like your, your side of it and, and your opinion. But it, it just, it just kind of blows me away that, you know, like some of them are just not even using any tests, you know, eyeballing it. Okay. That, that again, that, that's great, but it sounds like a little bit more of an old school mentality. You know, I think now we want to have, whether it's one or two tests, I just still think that, you know, there should be something out there. Now we talked, you know, again, yesterday on the phone and you had mentioned that one of your buddies 
had some kind of uh, test. Now, I don't know if that was more for the return to play that we were talking about, or is this was that more of a conditioning test? That's uh, just in general. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So, so that was uh, Yancey. So Yancey not only um, does one-on-one coaching for athletes, and he's done a lot of stuff in the previous years, but currently now he's very involved with. Um, I mean, he's got his hands in a lot of different pots, but he trains some of the pros for the obstacle course racing. Um, he also works with a lot of like organizations on developing like fitness tests and stuff. Um, Spartan's new fitness test or challenge they want to do is called DecaFit. It's a very entry level type uh, program they wanted to do. They couldn't roll it out because Rona came in and destroyed everything. So now it's <laughs> but they were real amped about it. And really it's almost like a station type thing to get people at a real low level introduced to the concept of obstacle course racing. So they dialed it back. So they used to think that stadium races were the entry level, but stadium races aren't. If you realize what they require and you're actually doing them, they can be pretty tough. Especially doing all those stairs. Yeah. In yeah, a yeah. Environment, no weather. They have these stations. It introduces people to going from one thing to the next, um, you know, and it had weight and movements that are manageable for the average person is, is what their thought process was. So he's doing stuff like that, does online coaching too, and he develops programs that have to go on a broad spectrum of the person that maybe doesn't have access to a gym or is like the mom that is doing Spartan racing but, you know, can't get to the gym. So what, what can she do at home with a treadmill and things like that? So he has to adapt his programming and a lot yep. of tools and stuff you could get from, you know, the uh, like power systems and, and stuff like that or uh, some of the brands that he networks with. Um, so basically it's coming down to he's been doing years of developing programming. Aside from that, he also does training for the local high schools there, and this is out in Texas. So uh, he does stuff with um, the high school football team, and he does a lot of really cool conditioning camps with them and stuff, but there's like a rationale behind it. It's not like let's just have him do crazy stuff. So he has some really cool things. So I picked his brain because when it comes to conditioning and stuff, he would be someone to really know how to know that. And what he had suggested is, again, he said the two-mile test is trash. So this is someone with no bias to this area. This is out in Texas. Saying gotcha. Okay. Okay. With yeah. his background also, and he said it just doesn't equate to the performance measures of soccer. He's like, you're taking an anaerobic threshold and you're comparing it with like a 5K athlete. Not going to equate. Mm-hmm. So what he does mm-hmm. is the uh, 30, 40, 10, which is basically 10 rounds. Um, no, it's 10 minutes, and you have to do um, 30, 40-yard dashes. So you start, run 40-yard dash, and then you have to come back, and then the timer goes off, and you're going again. So gotcha. looking at that, how much can you do in that threshold, and can you complete the amount in the 10 minutes? Can you get there? So it's fast to there, and then it's almost like a swift walk, almost jog back, if anything, and then you got to go again. And he's saying that that's a good test to see the quality of where they are. So you could probably measure a lot of variables with that, measure uh, perceived exertion, measure heart rate, you know, measure stress levels, or even just measure the time that they complete it, you know, in the 10 minutes, how much break time did they need, and then use that as a baseline test, you know, and then you can even go from there, you know, so. Now, that sounds similar to the yo-yo or beep test, where it's 20 meters that they're running, and it's based off of beeps, and the beeps increase as you go through. Okay. Um, now, the one your, your buddy's talking about, Yancey, He's talking about a 10-minute time frame that they're doing this in. 
the beep test, um, you're doing that until basically you can't get those beeps down. I, I believe you get one warning and then you just keep going. So that could be 30 minutes, you know, um, even longer, you know, just depending on, again, the condition of the athlete. So how in that 10 minutes are you able to gauge what they're able to do over a 90 minute period? Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. So that probably just comes down to, um, it's just like, like a mini. Yeah. So I, I guess you're saying, so you're looking at how long can you sustain that type of threshold? So, um, that could probably be another question is I could, I could ask him and see what he does to further that, you know, when you're looking at for the total game time. But uh, <clears throat> then there's also how many of the kids are playing the total game time, you know. Yeah, uh, that's also, true. Yeah, in high school, there's a lot more substitutions. At the club level, depending on what level you're at, um, now I, I – mm -hmm. You know, this is – I just read this, but I thought the P FIFA was saying something about maybe going to five substitutions – which I think is a great idea because there are three right now. I think five is a great idea because you got – these guys are playing – guys and girls are playing in more tournaments, you know, even especially at the, at the higher level. There's a lot more, you know, there's – I think the strategy changes, and I think that that's a whole other thing that I'm not experienced enough to really talk about. But, like, at the end of the game, substitutions, you could start really delaying games doing that. So they would have to find some kind of rule with that. So I get the three, you know, for that. But I think five is a good number because it could probably cut down on some injuries, you know, late in the game, just based on the travel and the amount that they're playing. And even at the, you know, the high school and club level, they're playing a lot and they're traveling. Yeah. I think also how, you know, how often is their heart rate at this level? There's a lot of standing around sometimes on the field, yep. depending on how well the offense is. The defense might be standing around a lot. So I think that equates to it, that even though it's 90 minutes of game time, how much is their heart rate at their level? So that's why I think that yep. time increment is showing the amount, you know, that they could do in these small increments. And then it's also measuring your ability from being in a complacent position going fast and changing direction. Those are the things that we're looking at. So that's why your deceleration uh, program that you're trying to work on is important because it's the ability of the stop and the, Not being and start. the ability of being able, yeah, of being able to take off from a complacent position, you know, um, and switching directions, you know, constantly over and over again. And a two mile test just doesn't measure that. It's just a straightforward, it's a, it's a unilateral measurement it's not dynamic. Soccer is dynamic, you know, a lot of multiple movements. It's, it's speed endurance, right? I mean, it's, it's not, it's not cardio endurance. It's speed so, endurance. Which is why we got on the topic that got me real excited is when I talk about conditioning, you know, why are we not adapting more to the type of hip workouts that you're seeing with all this stuff? I mean, there's no reason why it can't translate over. So you know, you have a couple of days where they do conditioning workouts. It could be even twice a week today. No soccer ball, nothing. We're doing just conditioning. So you have them do almost like those, those like hero wads, which basically CrossFit came out with. It's like a time cap. How many rounds can you get? Or it's an every minute on the minute type concept. And you're loading them in different types of things. So, yeah, you might get them doing stuff like thrusters, box jumps, burpees, wall balls, med ball slams. 
you're taxing the muscle groups that are going to get used in soccer. How many times are we running? We're jumping. We're going lateral. So you could even add in more of the specific times. So instead of straight box jumps, let's do lateral box jumps, you know, or let's do, you know, side to side med ball slams to instead of just straight med ball slams, just to get used to that constant twisting that happens. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, when you get in condition, you can have a little fun with it. Like maybe Tuesday is a straight conditioning day. Uh, We're going to do this hard day. Thursday is a little bit more soccer specific. So maybe you'll add in movements that would involve some soccer stuff. So like I gave a good example, maybe you do a 400 meter run, come off, you do some soccer specific drills under high duress. You know, you have balls set up, kick all these balls here, run into a station. Now you got to do something to get the heart rate up again. So maybe you're doing some of body weight stuff, burpees or, or uh, lateral movements um, or anything or kettlebell swings. Now we go in, we do another soccer specific drill, you know, do the soccer stuff around a certain pattern. So now you have to manage the ball and you have to manage the coordination under duress, high heart rate, fatigue, muscle taxing, lactic acid. So it's going to happen in a game and then start looking at what's going on here. You know, what is there stuff breaking down with the athletes? So these are the things you start to look at. Then you can even do other stuff. If you want to reduce the amount of load, Jacob's ladder, assault bike, Salt bike is a great tool to put yeah. them under a lot of stress and come off of that. And then instead of running because they're soccer, we're going to have them do soccer drills. So you do 10 minutes, you know, 10 calories on the assault bike, come off. Now we got to do soccer drills and you keep hammering with something like that and see how they're breaking down with the drills, what's happening. I guarantee you that that will translate over into these kids conditioning that because now they're so used to being under that duress. And when it comes time to game time, they're ready to they're ready to handle that you know right now my guys over the years at judge would attest to this i don't do it anymore but i was a burpee king with these guys i used to crush maybe that's why they were one of the more fit teams in the league all them years but i've gone away from it because i see a lot of poor technique with a burpee so i hear you saying it a lot now you're talking you're talking like in 20 seconds how many are you doing so maybe it's only like eight are you trying i mean like you're not trying to max out burpees right i mean it's just no no just 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 a few that you're just trying to you know get the whole body moving getting the heart rate up it's like a station thing so uh i don't know so you have like uh you could do a 20 minute time cap 400 meter run come on in soccer drills whatever creativity you want to be i don't know 10 burpees and then more soccer drills, cow bike. Have them do that circuit, you know? So they're adding in soccer specific stuff with conditioning. So now again, you're trying to train those skills because you're gonna have the days where we're working the skills and the movements. We're doing the footwork. We're doing all this stuff like, like specific type work with ball right. handling, you know, working on our kicks, working on, uh, you know, teamwork, passing plays. And then you have conditioning that's going to simulate it. You have to go and we have to get conditioned for that. So then when we do scrimmages and live plays, we have the aerobic capacity and the muscular endurance to handle the stress that's going to simulate a game. So that's what the conditioning comes down to. The problem is, is it's just too much soccer, 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 soccer. That's why these kids are breaking down because they don't have the capacity to handle the load of the sport. Or it's a soccer drill. Like, all right, let's just put the ball down for a second and and add in some other 
component, you know, just body-weighted stuff. There's a ton yeah. of things you can do body-weighted. You know, and if they're the, not ready for a burpee or something, then what you do is have them work on push-ups. If they're not good with the push-ups, they get better at doing You could do incline push-ups off a box. You mm -hmm. could do push-ups on the knees. It's just the concept of doing something to start, you know, challenging different systems and start getting them to use different muscles in their body. It's just the same stuff. It's the over same things over, over and over. Right. And then right. those kids that can do the burpees properly, you'll have them do that. And then you progress it. And you say, look, your conditioning has improved from this to this to this, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. So some of the other things I wanted to talk about, I don't want to just cut that off like that, but I, I did want to get into the one thing we did, you know, we're always talking about, you know, this is good because we're not talking about the injured athlete right now. We're talking about, you know, these are, these are kids that are getting ready for their season. This could even be done. Some of this, you know, I did a lot of this when I was at the high school. We did a lot of body-weighted stuff during the season, you know, once a week. I mean, they're playing two or three times a week, so I didn't yeah. need to do that a lot. But if we had a break there where it was like, you know, three days off, guess what? One of those middle days – you know, we were going to go high intensity to keep keep them legs under them. You know, so um, but that that was more towards you know your your healthy athlete. Um, the other thing we wanted to talk about was the the ACL return to play using the functional capacity screen uh, in conjunction with the single leg hop test. Um, so recently, uh, I just sent you. Um, over one of the, the kids I had been working with to get his return to play done. Um, I have a few others that I'll be sending your way very shortly. Um, but we had just started talking. This happened, I guess, I don't know, late, late fall. When, when the, when did we, when did we go for the FMS and the functional capacity screen and all that? Functional capacity was in was that, that's early that, November. Summer? Early November. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So um, we had been talking about, you know, how we were going to use this uh, going forward. So anyway, I wanted you to kind of, you know, elaborate a little bit more about using that in conjunction with the, the single leg hop test. So that return the sport uh, test um, is something I guess now the surgeons are requiring. They want them to get it. Uh, like when I first started practicing, that wasn't anything that I really knew about. It was almost kind of like an optional thing that they did, but none of these surgeons were like making it a mandatory thing, you know? Um, I think maybe over the years, I kind of rethought that instead of just saying, oh, well, we're at 16 weeks, start jogging, you know? Um, <laughs> and did that make any sense? And where's the rationale behind that? It's just because it's like a healing time frame, and it's like, okay, I guess you're good. Like we talked about last time with John, you know, it's just like, you know, what is safe, you know? So it's like it's healed and like it's technically safe to do stuff. But if you don't have the right mechanics, we're going to go right back to square one and re-injure it. Mm -hmm. So we know it's nice to know that, okay, if a meniscus repaired after this week mark, the surgeon thinks that something is safe to start loading. Okay, well, that gives me the green light to start progressing into still need good motor control and mechanics. If you don't know how to squat right, you can't jump right. You know, so we have to start with the baseline. So those sometimes are things that you can't even assess when the athlete comes in after the ACL. You just can't. So you got to wait until they're cleared, and then you can start looking at it. But you can still start training like a squat pattern to – if they can't go below 90, you can train it to 90, 
You can start using assists and start teaching them awareness of getting their hips back, knee position, ankle position. Start making them aware of moving. Some of these kids just have no awareness of moving, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so that return the sport test um, became a requirement. So now they have it, and it looks at – it's really kind of blasting the single leg efficiency. It's a sure. single leg hop for distance. Mm -hmm. Then it's a triple hop for distance, and then it's the crossing over. And then you have how far can you get to six meters, how long it takes you. So it's speed. Well, gotcha. if you can't stand on one leg for even 10 seconds and your single leg squat is horrible, you're not even doing that test. So before we even test that, the fundamental capacity screen is good because we can at least look at their broad jump and see when they go to load into the jump what's happening with both legs. Are they favoring one side? And if you cue them and correct it and they can't, you're nixing the test altogether. So they can't do a regular broad jump where they're learning how to translate their uh, body weight over a specific amount of time, you know, or, or over a specific amount of uh, space, you know. Right. They have to get greater than their height. And they're not going to be able to do everything else because it gets more dynamic. But if they can do that, okay, cool. You just go to that. And then we get to the point where you have to look at the uh, single leg. So it's the power output and how much can they translate through each leg. So when they go to load from that single leg and then jump to land on the two, they're all over the place and loading the valgus or they have pain. Again, we're not doing that test. So then you justify that and you can say not only to yourself, to the athlete, to the parents, and then even to the surgeon, look, we did a prerequisite. They can't even do these basic movements yet in this screen so we can't do that right so why can't why are we even why are we moving forward yeah so i think we're just checking the box here like yeah so even before the fundamental capacity screen you do the motor control screen you clear out the ankle mobility then you look at the single leg squat if the single leg squat is deficient we have to look at an ankle mobility as a motor control is it sloppy and painful well if they can't do a baseline single leg squat you know you're not assessing jumps so then the jumps are out so it gives rationalization to why we're doing these tests. So again, the parents and the athlete know why I'm doing this. Why am I spending money on this? Why am I bringing my, 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 my kid here three times a week, you know, because we need to work on these things so we can progress. And so far we have a good testament with some of the girls that you sent me because they went home, they did their homework and they are good templates for what happens when you put the work in. And it's yeah. good because we have two examples of one that had a tendinopathy issue, put in the work, and she went from being extremely painful, really extremely uh, painful, yeah, with everything, to now she's doing awesome work, to now she's doing conditioning, and she said that I yeah. never was able to do this stuff. So we got. She actually it. did it with a little bit of a smile on her face, you know. To the, I was, was like, awesome. wow. I'm like, why? And she's like, I'm doing this. This is the first time I've been able to do this with no pain. Yeah, and then you have another ten years. Uh huh. In years. Yeah, yeah. Then you have another template of a post-op who has been diligent, is doing her stuff, and she's working on it and showing what happens when you do the proper progression. Now, barring it was a straight, you know, with her, it was a straight, you know, ACL, little meniscus. I mean, if you have someone who come in and their knee is completely trashed, the progression might be a little slower. Sure. But sure. it's still a testament that if you're working with the stuff here and you're working with the stuff at home, you're going to make faster progress. So when we get to a 16-week mark, we could get to do more, you know, and we're not being delayed. When the kids, you got to fight with them on doing this stuff. And it's like, look, this is your knee. This is your future. 
the longer you know you dick around with this, the longer it's going to take for you to get back to doing anything. Never mind soccer, but to right. you know, skateboard, right. you want to go ride a bike. If you have a Biking, need, walking. Exactly. So yep. you have to kind of explain that. But it's good to have these tests for them to see that they could do it. And it was uh, it was cool with um, you know the the kid that I did it with last night, and I saw the review that the mom wrote because uh, when uh, your mom came in, she showed it to me. Uh-huh. Yeah, and it was good for her to see that, and I didn't know that because it's kind of yep. quiet about stuff, and he didn't really say that to me. But what he said about that was he could actually see through the test what he was able to do. So these things don't lie. You don't have to yeah. take my word for it. I could just do it. The parents are sitting there and watching and seeing what's going on. So that's what's really cool about these tests is you can right. see it, this, and they don't lie. You know? Exactly. It's exactly. look, it's clear as day. They can't do this. So how are they going to play soccer? How are they going to run? You know? Right. So right. it sinks in a little bit more, you know, and that's the power of these, these, these objective measures. We have them there and it's really good data that we can look at, you know? That's good stuff. That's really good. Um, you know, and I had an opportunity to talk to him afterwards. He called me on, on the ride home from there and was just saying how grateful he was, you know, that, that I was able to, to send him your way. And, I mean, listen, I believe we talked about this in the last episode, but when these, a lot of these kids are coming to me, and they've been cleared for agility and they've been cleared to run and things like that. When I see them, I see ankle collapse, still valgus, you know, bilaterally sometimes. And I'm like, I'm not understanding what happened for the last 14, 15, 16, 17 weeks before you got here because that stuff should be cleared up, you know? Yeah. You're and spending again, a lot of time doing some stuff that I think physical therapists should be spending more time on. But regardless, you still have a knowledge base and the education level from taking even courses and stuff that you know how to correct these things. Yep. So at some point, it's going to come down to it to say that, you know, the kid doesn't even have any pain or anything. And there's really no reason for them to see a PT. You could do those basic corrections, but you have to hammer to them that they have to do this at home because they don't get better at this. They're not going to progress Right. They're almost going to kind of be wasting their time. So they have to get better with these foundational things. They could come in, they could go to the next level stuff. So you can start doing a lot. It's of things that they should be, they could be doing every day. It's like brushing your teeth. These are maintenance exercises. Yeah. These yeah. aren't, I'm not asking you to bench press five, six days a week. I'm asking you to do some ankle mobility drills. I'm asking yeah. you to do some hip mobility drills, you know? And, like, and these are things that 10 to 15 reps twice a day of them, is going to do. We're not talking about doing a program in the gym where we're doing two hours of, you know, sets and reps and all this. This is is watching TV stuff stuff you can do. I mean, yeah, I mean, you can practice one set of 15 is good enough for your body to learn. Oh, I just did 15 of this drill. I'm going to do it again later today. You bang them out. The more your body gets exposed, the more it learns and it translates over to the actual condition. It really is amazing when they, when they come in and they are doing it, like, and you, first off, the easiest way to tell whether they're doing it is when you ask the, the drill, you say the name, and either they go right into it or they look at you like a deer in the headlights. Yeah, yeah. Well, clearly, yeah. the deer in the headlights is all right. You're not you're not doing the stuff at home. You yeah, know? you know what's so, even funny is uh, from last night. Uh, you know, he actually remembered um, like the test. He remembered like all the stuff from the fundamental capacity the first time we did it. 
she's showing so in tunes. Um, and even some of like the other, like, you know, uh, the two girls, you know, they, uh, they just know right away and they like remember. And it's funny, like they know, you know, so. That, yeah. And they're, and they're the, listen, I mean, everyone I enjoy working with, but the ones that are coming in and they're dialed in and they're ready to go and, and they want to learn and they're, and they're taking it in like a sponge, because again, at the end of the day, you and I both, like, um, we're not looking for them to be dependent on us. We're creating independency so that they can, you know, do this stuff because this is, these are lifelong skills that you're learning, you know, how to work out, yeah. how to understand your body. Like that is uh, so yeah. important. Uh, yeah. you know, I've like, had that conversation with all the athletes so far at some point, once we get a little focused. So they have an understanding because no one's really motivated to do anything. They don't understand the why, you know? So I've talked to them and said, look, you know, soccer or no soccer, these are great things for you to understand. So you can do whatever you want and you could just be healthy. It's good to know. So you ever want to just go to the gym with friends or you want to go and maybe you, maybe you get into another sport or something. These are good things to learn how to do properly so you can do stuff and be strong and do it because there's a lot of misinformation out there. You know, there's a lot of fancy stuff that people want to jump to, but they don't have the basics. So you're learning the basics here so you can go and eventually get to do maybe some really cool stuff, but you have to have that foundation. You have to have the foundation. So I think that kind of, yeah, that kind of clicks with them a little bit. Yeah. I, I just, um, I'm glad that we were able to tie that piece in. I think the other thing that we uh, are talking about and, you know, um, it ties in a little bit to the fitness test, you know, for preseason type of things, but also what are some like, of these conditioning tests that we can do with these, um, these post ACL kids coming back, you know, okay. So we had the single leg hop. You had the, well, let's start with the, the capacity screen. Then you had the single leg hop. Okay. They have that. Now what conditioning type drills would be something good for them to use as measuring sticks, you know? And I think that that's, there's no, again, there's no definite answers to it. Um, I do like the one with Yancey, but is that something that you can apply to the recovering athlete the same way? I mean, is that, it, it's 10 minutes that you're doing that test, but some people might be out of that test in three minutes. Well, then that's telling you something. That's what I'm saying. So, uh, you know, that's going to so tell you, you have how that, you can play that kid. You right. Know? Right. And you can justify that. You could say, look, he didn't even pass his test. He's having X, Y, and Z issues. So when it comes to game time, this is a yellow flag. So he doesn't get re-injured or something. So we got to start slow. We're going to do more conditioning. We're going to do drills. We'll retest this again in four weeks, see where he's at. Then that'll prove why he could get more game time. And then this way, if the coaches can choose to ignore it or accept it, they ignore it and put the kid in and he gets injured. It's on the coach again, you know, to say, look, right. I had something here telling me this kid wasn't really ready, but you know what? He's the player. He's this, he's that. I had pressure on me to, to win, whatever. I did this, you know, and it's going to be accountability for everybody. Or, you know, we're just going to keep seeing these injuries and stuff like that. But it's just like yeah. I'm telling all the parents and all the kids, I was like, you have to advocate for yourself. And you have to advocate for your kids too. Because at the end of the day, you know, it's a meat grinder society, unfortunately. You know, if your kid is injured and he can't play, it's the next kid up. It always yep. is. And yep. I always keep talking about the pressure of – it's like um, 
it's like if you show your face, you're more willing to, to be there. Like we kind of had that in our programs in, in uh, Manalpa and Central Jersey with the soccer. It's like you had to be involved and show your face a lot to kind of get that like uh, notoriety a little bit. It's like, well, if you do this club and you do this club and you come to these tryouts and stuff like that and you're showing that you're there, it's like the constant presence Like you get like a noticing from the coach but you're just beating yourself down. And if you're half injured and you can't play efficiently, yeah. what is the coach noticing? He's just noticing that you're kind of injured and all this. Why don't you just nix that, take time off to get strong, and then come into some type of outing or some type of scrimmage where they're looking and really blow them away and show them what you could do because you took the time to get healthy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, so you always had stuff like the coach's son type thing was a favorite. And any team uh-huh. I ever played on – any team I ever played on, the coach's son, honestly, always sucked. Maybe it's coincidence. Maybe it was just a demographic where I grew up. But the coach's son always sucked. And I remember I was on one team where they, they thought the kid was good because he was really tall, and they thought they always wanted to pass him the ball. But he always went down, like, easy, got taken out easy. And I always was just like, this kid's not that good. But he's the coach's right. son. He's the favorite. He had, like, weak ankles. He'd always get taken down. Like, I was just like, dude, like, no. So that was always that complex, but the coaches, you know, favorite. And I was like, this kid sucks. You see that a lot. You, you definitely do see that a lot. Um, you see it at the high school level because, you know, some of them are, are just, you know, almost like volunteers. You know, so um, do they know the game well enough? You know, again, yeah. that's – I'm not even going to question that because they – I'm sure that most of them that are there probably know more than I do, and, th- and that's fine. I stay in my lane. And how to get these kids back on the field, um, but yeah, I mean those two topics again. That that took us about forty-five minutes. There, we were going to get into some other things, but I think we're going to save that because we do have to give a little shout out to our boy John who couldn't make it today. He's doing his own podcast and he's getting ready to launch some stuff on Monday, I believe, May eleventh. So he texted me earlier saying he couldn't jump on. So you and I carried the carried the load tonight and. Um, yeah, we'll get them no, on, on the next one, and then uh, we could talk and see who else we want to get on. You know, even if it's each week, we bring on someone else, even if it's another, like, therapist or something that wants to join the chat, someone that we know, or maybe even one of some other coaches and stuff. You know, we could start doing that, and we could always have and see if we get a guest a week. I mean, no one's doing anything right now. They're quarantined. So That's it. Let's so get the freak on, on the Coach House podcast with me and exactly. Mike here, and let's get this shit going. Exactly. Stop dicking around, and let's talk about this stuff. Let's and go. When we come let's start calling out the high school coaches and start putting them on here and, and giving us some justification on why they're saying, you know, that they're doing these tests. Okay, cool. I'm not going to say whether you're right or wrong. I want to know why, why you're doing them, and then what's, what's the, you know. And you know what? Now literally behind it. Now is a real good time to experiment with stuff because these kids aren't doing anything. So we could play around with some of this conditioning if these coaches are down. Take some of your top kids and let's get them and let's do some of this conditioning stuff. Let's try some of these conditioning drills and see how they feel and see how they do. Let's try some of these workouts. I know the kids want to get out of the house. I know they want to do something. So even if you did Uh one of the sessions or something and they came in, Let's design a program and have them try doing some of that. We could play around with some of these concepts we were talking about and see how they feel, see how they do, because there's nothing else going on right now. So I know some of them are talking about these, like, summer leagues and these summer camps and stuff. 
I don't know what that's going to happen or when that's going to happen right now. I mean, I just know. Yeah, I, that's. So, I, I, you know, my my ears are to the ground and I'm I'm listening, but I'm trying not to. I, I you know, I don't know. I don't think there's going to be, you know, there's going to be camps and things like that this summer. Um, which again, I makes my job even more that more important. You yeah. know, to to get these kids in shape and be ready like okay so maybe the season gets pushed back a little bit but you still got to be prepared you still got to be ready you know because you have to live every day anyway so again these are these are life lessons these are learning lessons that that they're getting so that they can carry these things forward in life and it's good practices yeah so um all right listen i'm going to cut you off before we start getting into another thing, because we could go another hour easily. Uh, I appreciate your time. Once again, we're going to keep this thing rolling. It's going to yeah, get man. better and better each time we do it. Um, we'll have more ideas. We're going to bring in bring in some other people. We're going to grill the shit out of them. Yeah. Now, where are people, uh, where are people getting in touch with you now? Uh, Instagram, Facebook, what's, uh, what's all oh, so All right. So, you know, Instagram is coach underscore Haas, H-O-S. Um, you know, Twitter. I'm at, at Joe Haas. Do you tweet, um, though? Are you tweeting? No, not really. You know, I've had a Twitter forever. Um, I, I, I really, honestly, I don't use it that much. Um, I thought about downloading Twitter just so I could drop some one-liners on there and see, but I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't, you know. <laughs> Stop. I, I, you know what I like? I like the Instagram. Uh, I've been doing a lot of the TikTok um so that's another one that's at coach haas h-o-s again um i've been having fun with that i've been having fun with that and i just got a new iphone 11 so i got some new videos i've been posting it's got some neat features to it so this thing's ready to crap out so yeah yeah you gotta you gotta upgrade how about you where can we find you at i'm at uh icor undercore underscore saint george on instagram uh, Facebook's just Mike St. George. Um, you can look me up on excelphysicaltherapy.com and, uh, you can go to the clinics, Southampton to see where that's where I'm at. That's really, uh, mostly, I'm mostly active on IG. I mean, I check Facebook with yeah, some. That's, that's my, that's my big one. Yeah. Um, mostly Instagram. Um, and I mean, our clinic has an Instagram page now too at the Excel Southampton. So, we're posting stuff, some corrective exercises. Yeah, uh, some good stuff I've been seeing on there. Yeah, it's very I impressive. I wanted to yeah. get the um, uh, FCS screen and the return to sport last night, but it was just hard to film it and do it at the same time. I might have Stacy try to film maybe um, the girl doing it on uh, next Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday when she comes in. That'd be cool. Okay. Just so people could see these tests we were talking about. So it's just hard guys- to score and keep track and film at the same time. <laughs> You got two more coming my way for return to play. And then I just sent you one of my good friends I was telling you earlier about. Uh, he was complaining about his knee. He thought, um, you know, he needed surgery. He hasn't even – he's been in pain for just a few hours. So, we'll get we'll get him in there next week. I think he's in uh, to see you. And hopefully uh, you'll awesome. fix him like you've done with everybody else. Yeah. yeah. I appreciate your time, man. Have yourself a great night. All right, man. You too. All right. We're out. All See you, right. buddy.